All right. Seems like it's working. All right. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for coming out here again this morning. Um, kind of a dreary-looking day, but warm in here, right? Uh, so, what did we talk about last week? Anybody want to recap a little bit? Grace? Okay, good. Whew, I was afraid all y'all had slept through it. Man, make me a little nervous. I wouldn't blame you. I'm a little tired myself this morning. Uh, going through the emotional roller coaster that is Auburn football last night. I don't know why we do this to ourselves. Um, yeah, so we talked about grace last week, right? So this morning, we're going to talk about faith. And the, the book that we're kind of taking some, some lesson cues off of has these back-to-back. And I think that's an interesting way to approach it because, because what we talked about last week, what do we say about grace? Oh, buddy, we're going to have to do better than this. It says a gift, a gift of grace. Right, a gift of grace, gift from God, right? So, so, so yeah, unmerited favor. Granted by God. So what I want to propose to you this morning is that when we're talking about salvation from sin, when we're talking about our relationship with God, right, our situation, grace and faith are companions in a sense. Because, you know, grace comes from, from God's end, right? This is God's gift. God offers it. It's God's grace. Well, on the flip side, God doesn't, God doesn't own faith in a sense, right? Our faith is our own. Our faith is our response to God's grace, okay? So if we view um, salvation as us coming back together with God, God offers grace. And I think what, I, what we can say this morning is that faith is our response. Right? God does not create faith and hand it to us in a sense. We, we develop our faith. And we'll talk about where that comes from and, and how. Um, but faith is our end of the bargain, right? In a sense. Faith is, is our end of this relationship. So, we're going to talk about the power of faith this morning. Uh, and again, as last week, I encourage folks to, to speak up and have any questions or comments. Um, we're going to be probably a little heavier than usual on verses, too. So, I'll be asking folks to, to read. So, please, please be ready. All right. So, first of all, what faith isn't? Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. If somebody will read that. Well, we walk by faith, not by sight. 
We walk by faith, not by sight. Somebody please turn to Hebrews 11 verse 1. We'll read that. Okay, so what do those two verses have in common regarding faith? Yeah, you can't see it. It's something you don't see. Um, So what does that mean from our perspective, right? Living on this world, living our physical lives, something that can't be seen. Okay, yeah, so there's an element of faith, right? You can't just... That, that element of faith is you can't, you can't reach out and grab it, right? We, we live in a way where we have our, our five senses, right? You learn that when you're, when you're little. You have your five senses. And that is how we make sense of the world around us. I can touch something or I can smell something. Um, I can see something. And in that sense, faith is not tangible, okay? So faith then is not knowledge in the sense that It's something that I can walk about and touch and see. Uh, Faith is not knowledge in the sense of me taking in inputs from the world around me and and making sense of it all through my five senses. Uh, Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Wait, sorry, I already did that. Uh, Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians verse 5, or chapter 4, verse 5 through 6. Ephesians 4. Five through six. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. All right. Um, so the word faith itself is used to mean a whole lot of different things in, in the world we live in. One of those things is denominations, essentially. Beliefs in the plural sense. If you ever heard um, someone talk about maybe people gathering from many faiths, right? What do they mean? Many denominations, many denominations right? Or perhaps even many religions. Um, you could go even further than that. But that's not what we see in Scripture, right? That's not what we see from the biblical perspective uh, when it says one Lord, one faith, right? It does not say many faiths, it says one faith. So there's a conflict there between what the world defines faith as in one sense and what the Bible defines faith as. The world says there are many faiths. The Bible says there is one faith. And then probably the, the biggest one uh, for us to deal with in talking with other people and in, in understanding Scripture ourselves comes out of James. Uh, Someone read James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. So what's, what's the average person's 
perspective or definition of faith? Saved by faith only, right? Like, if you say the word faith to someone out in the, out in the world, what's the first thing that they're going to think about? Believing something. And not only believing something, but what sense is the, of belief? Based on, I mean, really nothing, right? I mean, people use the phrase blind faith, right? So the idea is that you have a belief in something despite you know, what else you might know or see that you just lock in on a certain belief and that is faith. But again, that's not what we see in Scripture. We'll continue to go over that this morning. But what we see clearly conveyed in James is that faith is not just belief, or at least the faith we want to have is not just belief. It's not merely belief. What kind of faith does James describe? A working faith. A working faith, an active faith. Faith that manifests itself through works. So what we're seeing here is a, is a singular idea, right? Faith being a thing, not many things. Based not entirely upon our physical, worldly experiences and something that is active, something that, that actually does things. It's not just merely a blind belief in whatever thing you happen to be following. All right. Yeah. First Thessalonians 1 and 3 is that remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. So it's a work that should not cease. Mm-hmm. It's not just the concept of men and believing. It's actually going out and performing what you what was that verse? First Thessalonians 1 and 3. First Thessalonians 1 and 3. And the, your work of faith. Right? Okay. So then understanding what faith actually is. That's what we want to do. Um, and as we went over a second ago, what is the worldly definition? Well, it's a, some sort of belief or acknowledgement, some mental, you know, uh, assent in a way, uh, the, the mental acceptance of something, and then beyond that, it's kind of just left up to uh, the believer. However, let's, let's understand the biblical definition, since, of course, we follow the Bible. We want to understand what the Bible has to say about faith, not what my neighbor has to say about faith. Um, so I want to propose two definitions of faith yeah. this morning based on the biblical context. So let's go to Acts chapter 6 first. Acts chapter 6, someone read verse 7. Okay, obedient to what? The faith, okay. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 5, I think we actually were there a second ago. Someone please read that again, Ephesians 4 verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Okay, one faith. And let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. 
Okay, so examine yourselves that you are in what? The faith. Okay, so the first thing is we do see this reflection of faith being a singular concept, not a, not a, not a, uh, a plural concept. But also, what do these usages of the word faith have in common? What, what kind of faith, what are we referring to? When you're, when you're supposed to be in the faith, what does that mean? You're, what are you in? Yeah. What? Okay, you have the body of Christ. And so, being in the faith, being in the body of Christ, implies that you have obeyed God's commands, right? And so, this first usage of the word faith refers to a system of belief, right? A system of doctrine. That's similar to what we went, when we talked about on the previous um, slide, talking about the denominational perspective of faith, but what's the difference? Again, the biblical definition is singular. Now it does, it is being used in the same way, right? A system of teachings, a system of doctrine, a system of beliefs, but it's being used in the singular form. So when you are a member of the faith, there, there is a faith for you to be a member of. And you're either in or you're out. So that's the first definition. The second definition, which is more what we want to focus on this morning, uh, well, let's go read and then we'll talk about it. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read verses 8 and 9 this time. For by grace you are saved through faith, <clears throat> that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. All right, and we talked about that a little bit last week, right? The, the grace portion of that. Um, Let's see. You were ahead of me on that one. Yes. Saved through faith, not as a result of works. Okay. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Let's read that. Romans 5, 1. All right, justified by what? By faith, okay. And then Galatians 3.26. Somebody pick that up. Galatians 3.26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All right, sons of God through what? Faith. Through faith, okay. So you see, in all these instances, um, faith is kind of a vehicle, right? Justified by faith, saved, you know, or... Um, was it? Yeah, saved through faith. And so faith is kind of a, a vessel in a sense where you have the, the way these sentences are worded. Something happens through faith or by faith. And so it seems pretty clear that this is not being used in the same sense as the previous verses we read, not at least directly. We're not referring to the system of doctrine really itself. This is talking more about us, right? And going back to what I talked about earlier, grace and faith, right? Faith being the response. Well, what do all those verses have in common when they're talking about 
what, what is faith doing? Well, it's our response. It's our response to God. Justified through the response to God's grace. Uh, saved by the response to God's grace. And so, grace being God's role, we see then that faith is, is ours. Our response. Um, and I think that has implications that challenge this idea that faith is simply belief, is simply a mental acknowledgement. If, if faith is a response, then I think it's pretty easy to accept that there's more to it than simply nodding your head and going on with your life. Okay? So where does faith come from? That's kind of important to know, right? If you want to have it, you need to know where to get it, right? Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. All right, so yeah, Romans 10, verse 17. Let's go ahead and read it, even though we had it quoted. If you couldn't hear it, we'll go ahead and read it. Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Yes. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So where does faith come from? It comes from hearing God's word. Okay. Ultimately, faith comes from God's word. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Okay, going back to that word power, we haven't really used that a whole lot yet, but, but where's the source of power, right? We talk about power in this verse. Hmm? Yeah, the source of power is God. And what is, what is this power? Save. To save, right? So you see this relationship between these two concepts. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Well, what are we talking about in Romans 1.16? Not ashamed of what? God, the gospel is the word of God, right? I'm not ashamed of the word of God because the word of God has the power to what? To, to create faith, which is saving, right? Ultimately to save. But before we get to that point, faith is coming from the word of God. And so, kind of backtracking a little bit on what I said earlier about grace and faith. I mean, faith, I think it's safe to say, is our response. But we do attain that faith from God in the sense that faith comes from His Word. By reading God's Word, by understanding God's Word, um, our faith can then develop, right? Our faith can grow and develop. And so the source of faith, and therefore the source of power, is ultimately from God. I don't think that's too controversial or, or challenging. Go ahead. I would reason that that means every person has the ability to have faith because God makes it possible for us. It's not he's demanding us to you know, come up with faith. Mm-hmm. It comes from him. So every person can have, can develop. Yes, that's an interesting point. If, if God has provided what is necessary for faith to grow... Right, 
Uh, if you consider faith being a seed, then God has provided the soil and God has provided everything necessary for it to grow, then, then we're without excuse in that sense because God is not asking us to do anything we can't do, right? He's given us what we need to develop that faith and to grow that faith. That's a good point. Lost my clicker there for a second. Um, yes. So God being the ultimate source of power, God being the source of faith, God being the source of the word which can grow faith in us from where we get faith. So I think in that sense you understand faith being the response to what? The word of God. All right. The effect of faith. Okay? So we know where faith comes from, but now uh, what is faith's effect once it's actually developed? Um, Let's go to Galatians again, chapter 2. Galatians 2, verse 20. Okay, he says, I live by what? Faith. Faith. In the Son of God. And what is this, what is this life that's being described here by Paul? He said, the life that I now live, what life? Say again? The, the Christian life, right? The, the life of faith. It's a new life. Right? It's not the same life he had. He said, it's the life I now live. Something has changed. Something is new. And so when we're talking about the effect of faith on a person, on a soul, having read and understood the word of God and responded to it, you're no longer the same person, right? Part of the response to faith, or the response of faith to the word of God, is change. A new life. Living a new life. Well, not only that, there's, there's more implications. It's not just simply changing your life. Because frankly, changing your life in, in, in just the worldly sense might have some, some tangible benefits. But beyond that, you might wonder, well, what's the point? Well, let's go to First Peter. First Peter chapter one verses eight through nine. Whom having not seen speaking of Christ ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, ye believe and ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So what is what is the end of faith as described here? Salvation, the outcome of faith, right? Faith is not an end unto itself in that sense. Salvation comes by it. So not only are our lives changed by responding in faith to God's word, but our, our ending, our outcome, our, I kind of hesitate to use the word destiny, 
but in the sense of our destination, literally, yes, um, is changed. The effect of faith is change. The power of faith is the power to change. The, the power of faith is to take someone who is living a certain life and by exposing that soul to the will of God, change their outlook, change their perspective, change their mind, change their behavior, their actions, their goals. That's the power of faith, I think. The, the main focus of this lesson this morning is change. If, if you want to take one thing from this lesson, I think take that, is that faith means change. If there's not change, then we need to re-examine our faith. Because faith is the response to God's Word, and God's Word demands change. Right, and this, this is what we're talking about, faith being made manifest, right? And, and you gave me a good segue to my next slide. Um, yeah, the idea of faith being completed, faith being perfected, your justification being finished by the works, right? And that gets us back into James, which we'll, we'll hop back into. Um, and I think really helps illuminate what some people perceive as a conflict, between James and Paul, right? I've, I've read this before where people think James and Paul didn't agree on doctrine. I don't think it's true at all. I think they were teaching the same thing. I think they were using different words to say it. But let's, uh, let's read James chapter 2, verse 18. James 2, verse 18. But someone will say, All right, and then like we said, with, the, with the, uh, Abraham, faith being completed, faith being made manifest. Uh, in James here, what we're talking about is, I'm going to show you my faith by my works. My, my works are going to be an active reflection of the faith that I have. Faith without works is dead. So we understand then the change brought about by faith results in action. It results in change of behavior. And it spurns us on to do good works as we respond to the will of God. Right? How do we know what a good work is? It's the same thing. It's coming from the Word of God. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 3 real quick. Romans 3... Someone read verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith 
All right, so, so this is kind of getting into that challenge there, right, of, of faith and works. It says that in Romans 3.28, says that man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Uh, let's continue in Romans and look at chapter 6, verse 17. All right, so the, I guess the objection to the idea being that, that faith is simply a change of heart. It's an internal, internal change, and that's not accompanied by works. We talked about this last week, too, right, when we're talking about grace. Grace is not something that is earned. It is something that is given. And so people will take that idea and apply it to faith then and say, well, if, if grace is something I can't earn, then faith does not involve action. And first of all, I want to present the idea that work and action are not the same thing. And second, I want to talk again, like I did last week, about what a work actually is and what the Bible is referring to when it talks about works and faith. So we see, we've seen already that works of faith accompany um, a living faith, that good works accompany a living faith. Faith without works is dead. There has to be works. So then how do we reconcile that with what Paul says in Romans about being justified by faith apart from works? And we see that in other, other places as well. Well, the reason I wanted to highlight this particular verse instead of one of the other ones is because it's more specific. What kind of works is it talking about in Romans chapter 3, verse 28? Romans 3.28, justified by faith apart from works of the law. And you don't see people stop and consider that finer point. What did we talk about last week? The issue with works. Not of works, lest, many, lest any man should boast. What did we say about that? Can't, yeah, you can't save yourself. The idea is that they're works of merit, right? They're works in which I can boast. They're works in which I can take glory. The idea of not being works of the law, again, are things that I could take pride or glory in that I could boast and hold over others, following in this legalistic sense the old law. Is that the same thing as the actions and works that we see described by Christ and the apostles? Well, no, I can't boast in those things because I understand Christ. I understand his role in my life. The good things that we do are not things that we are able to brag about, right? We have no room to boast. And so when we're talking about faith in relation to works, we need to understand what works Scripture is talking about when it uses the term first whether we're talking about works of the law, works of merit, or works of faith. But then also, bookending what I mentioned a second ago, just because something is an action doesn't make it a work. I think a lot of people put the two together 
for example, in an attempt to call baptism a work. How is baptism a work? Well, it's not something that I can take any merit in, right? It's not an accomplishment in that sense. I can't boast over others that I was baptized better than they were. You see that attempt in 1 Corinthians. We talked about it last week too. But baptism is not an accomplishment in the sense of like, I won the race, I ran faster than you. It's, there's no sense of I got baptized better than you. Um, and baptism is not a work of the law, obviously. We know that because we understand the old law, right? Baptism is a part of the new law of grace. And so I think it's important for us to distinguish between a work and an action. Yes? Yes. Yes. Right. Right. Baptism is a passive action. God does the work. Baptism is submission, right? It's not, in that sense, work. And while, yes, in the, in the technical sense, I have decided to do something and I go and have it done, just because action is involved does not make it a work. There's more to it, understanding the biblical context, there's more to it than that, for it to be the work that we're talking about, to be distinguished from faith. Yes. He's teaching people to come out of the Mosaic Law. And the Mosaic Law was a law of works. Mm -hmm. But the Christian law was not. And a lot of people kind of, like I said, cut that off and mm -hmm. stop at that point. But he's telling them you're justified through your faith and your works and your belief in Christ, not saved by your works of the old Mosaic Law. Mm -hmm. Because it could not save you. Right. They, a lot of Paul's readers were coming out of a system that, in a sense, taught salvation through works because it was the law. You had to follow the law, right? That was, that was the system. Coming into this new system, that was not the point. It was no longer about works of the law. True. Right. Right. So I guess the point being here, you know, faith at work, faith with works is living. Faith without works is dead. Faith with works is powerful. And that's how you manifest that power of faith. Pow powerful faith changes our perspective. It changes our mind. And in turn, that changes our actions and our lifestyle. That results in good works. That results in godly living. And ultimately, that change, which we would call repentance, in turn changes our relationship with God as we obey the gospel and obey his commands. And in turn, that then changes, again, our ultimate outcome. And so, like I said before, if you take anything from this lesson this morning, understand that faith means change. And the power of faith is the power to change where otherwise we would not have that opportunity. All right, thanks for your uh, comments and your attention this morning.